Turn with me to Mark, please. Mark chapter number two this evening. Mark chapter number two. Appreciate the testimonies this evening. And uh, I always love to hear people being saved in our church, leading people to Christ or tracks that are given out from our church. We praise the Lord for that. Mark chapter number two, and I'm going to begin reading in verse number 13 this evening. And he went forth again by the seaside, and all the multitude resorted unto him, and he taught them. And he's passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting at the receipt of customs, and said unto him, Follow me. And he arose and followed him. And it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in his house, many publicans and sinners sat also together with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. When the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they said unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? When Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, They that are whole have no need of the physician, but that they are sick. I came not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. How many of you, when you were younger at the playground, you were picked teams? Anyone ever do that? In a few moments at playground, you'd fight for who was the captain. And once the captains were picked, then they had to pick the teams and this is not a message about, you know, if you were the last one picked and we're going to help you encourage you tonight. Uh, but the captains would pick. They'd go in their short amount of time. They'd get to the, the best team that they thought they would have. They'd look over each person. They'd, they'd, they'd look at them and, and over all the players. They'd pick the, the ones they thought that were most skilled. They'd pick the ones they thought that were most ta talented because those captains wanted to win. And if they picked you and you missed or did something wrong, they would remind you next time they're not going to pick you again. Why? Because they wanted to win. They wanted to pick the team that would win the most or the best. You know, that approach, as you think about it, that it makes good sense when you're picking a sports team, doesn't it? Pick the best players, right? The NBA getting to a place, I read an article, they are where they're super teams now and these mega all-stars, their budgets are just through the roof and they're buying the best talent. Well, the reality is this, if you want to win, that's what you do. But you know, as we study this portion of scripture here, we find that's not how Jesus chose his followers. He didn't always find the most talented. He didn't find the most eloquent. He didn't find the, the, uh, the, the best of the best. What Jesus did was Jesus went out and he sought those that would just simply trust in him. I love the testimonies this evening. Because reality is this, if it was something that you did or some speech, eloquent speech that you had or some sales pitch that you had down pat you were really good at, you'd stand and you'd say, look what I did this week. I'm glad the testimonies were, I can't even speak, but God still used me to bring glory to himself. I was actually surprised Sherry got up to speak. Matter of fact, I had her up here last time to do a game, and she came to me after that, and she said, I will leave the church if you ever do that again to me. She didn't really say that. She said, I don't like to get up in front of people. I don't like to get up and speak. And here's someone that not only gave a testimony this evening, gave a gospel to 16 and 17-year-olds. It's amazing what we can do in God's strength and in God's power, and it's amazing who God allows to be on his team. And God chooses people by his grace. 
you know, the skill that is needed to do his will, it comes with his calling. It comes with his calling. Here in this passage of scripture, he picks a man by the name of Levi. Now, Levi is, is, is a rich man, and the Bible doesn't necessarily say that, but we know that the, the, uh, the, those that sat and collected taxes, most of them were robbing people. And so they were getting rich off of other people. Here, there were two types of, of, of tax collectors. One, they would put taxes on their, uh, on their land and they would collect taxes from their land. And then there was others like this that would sit at the customs. There, this was a fishing community and they would say this, that history would say that there could be as many as 200, over 200 boats that would go out and, and be uh, fishermen here. They'd come in and people would pay taxes on, on the fishermen would pay taxes on what they brought in. And then people would pay taxes on what they bought. But there was no guideline on these taxes. The, it was up to the person that was sitting there at the custom seat to decide how much he was going to charge. Some of that might be charged on the need that the tax collector had himself. Others, it could be charged just based upon what he wanted to do to somebody. But he was the one that uh, would decide what the tax would be, who would be taxed. And so this man was not somebody that people liked. This is not somebody that people wanted to get to know. This was somebody that people would avoid because he could make life miserable. How many of you like it when the tax man shows up at the house? Huh? No, you, this isn't somebody you want to be around. And this passage begins with this. He went forth again by the seaside. You know, this meant this, that Jesus, he kept coming, he kept teaching. Now, this is important. Just by way of introduction to this message, I saw that in this passage of scripture, Jesus was always persistent to get the word of God out. He was always persistent. He kept coming again. He kept going back to the same place. He kept preaching the gospel. And I thought that was a wonderful thing to remind our church this evening, because sometimes we get to the place where we think, I've witnessed to that person before, or they've heard the gospel message before, or I've shared Christ, or I've shared my testimony before, and we can convince ourselves that, that they don't want to hear it again. But here Jesus kept going back over and over and over. And it wasn't the first time Jesus was there that Levi became a disciple of Christ. It might not even been the second time, but we know this because Jesus kept going back and he was persistent. Levi became a follower of Jesus Christ. You never know who's going to be saved because you're persistent in sharing the gospel. We know this about Jesus. He preached the word in the synagogues. He preached the word in a home there in uh, Capernaum, as we saw last week. And he preached the word along the seashore of Galilee there, preaching and teaching that he was the son of God, that he was the Messiah. Well, I'm excited this coming fall, a, week, uh, a year from this coming fall, 2018, you see on the board out there, we've got a trip to Israel planned. And I'm excited to get to the Sea of Galilee. That's one of the places that we're going to go. I'm excited to see where Jesus uh, uh, walked. And I'm excited to, to just visually see the stories that I've read over and over in the Bible. I, I can't wait to see those, those things there in Israel. And this is a place that we're going to go, the Sea of Galilee. This is a place where Jesus preached. This is a place where disciples were called. 
I want you to uh, listen to this, this story here was a story I read of Capernaum at this time there of Jesus in the tax collectors in that day. The first type, as I mentioned, they were, they were uh, property tax. The second type, they were there uh, taxing commerce. And this, uh, uh, someone wrote here of this, these men became very wealthy because they taxed everything they could touch. If someone caught a fish, they could not get down the road to their house without passing the tax collector who had to set up this collection table at this intersection. They'd be taxed on that fish. If someone went shopping and bought some things, they wanted to buy this fish, they'd pay taxes on those that uh, were buying this fish to the tax collector. There was no stated tax amounts on such items. These men became uh, incredibly wealthy. It was a way for them to get rich quick. That describes Levi. That's Levi, and Jesus came, and Jesus called him. Men like Levi would not have been looked at with, with, with much friendliness, and, and they'd probably be looked at with much disdain, people not wanting to get to know them, not wanting to be around them. You know, as Christ, though, his teaching ministry, it took him along the seashore, he passed by Levi one day. He saw Levi there doing what Levi was doing, uh, 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 robbing people and stealing from people and collecting taxes from people. And this is what Jesus saw Levi doing. And it was almost certain that Levi would have uh, known of the miracles of Jesus. It's probably certain that Levi heard who Jesus was by other times that Jesus came through. But it was this time, it was this time that Levi heard from Jesus, follow me. And the Bible says this, Levi began to follow follow Jesus Christ. I love the persistence that we see here. Jesus sees people not for who they are, but for who they can become through him. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. Jesus sees people for, for Christ sees people not for who they are, but for who they can become through him. The reality is this, none of us are great. None of us deserve to, to, to take the gospel message and share it with someone. None of us deserve to be teaching or be preaching or be singing. None of us deserve to, to be using a talent that we have to, to honor and glorify Jesus Christ. But what Jesus does is he takes us exactly where we're at. He doesn't take us for what we are. He sees us what we can become through him. Aren't you one? Isn't that wonderful news? Aren't you excited to know that Jesus can take the most broken? Jesus can take the more wretched sinner. Jesus can take the outcast. Jesus can take the Levi, or a man by the name of Levi, that's a thief and a crook, one that was robbing the people, the one that people wanted nothing to do with. Jesus can take a man like that and he can make him a follower of Christ. You know, it doesn't matter who you are. It doesn't matter what your family has ever done. It doesn't matter where, what you come from. It doesn't matter what you've done. Jesus can take who you are. He can use you to bring glory and honor to his son. I want you to see this in verse number 13, in verse number 14. And he went forth again by the seaside and all the multitudes resorted unto him and he taught them. And as he passed by, he saw Levi, the son of Alphaeus, sitting upon the receipt of customs and said unto him, follow me. And he arose and followed him. I want you to see this evening, Jesus is fulfilling. Jesus is fulfilling. Imagine getting a call from a job placement service and being told about a position with this new company. 
You know, probably the first thing we'd ask is how much is the pay? I remember getting in the ministry and my wife and I, we were just newly married and we were interviewing and the pastor said, uh, we, were, we were discussing what the job would be and, and just all excited about the ministry. But before we went into this interview, my wife and I, we both said, how much do you think the pay is going to be? Has anybody ever done that or was I just being fleshly? Huh? You want to know, you wish they would just tell you outright and then you may pursue, uh, proceed with that interview and maybe you wouldn't. <laughs> but it wasn't until like the very, very, very last thing that we discussed but going into that meeting, I remember saying to my wife, I can't imagine him offering less than this. Now, this wasn't a lot, but I can't imagine him less, offering less than this. And so, you know, we're young, we're newly married, and, and we said, so if, I guess if he, if he offers us this, we, you know, we can afford to live on that. And she said, what if he doesn't? I said, well, there's no possible way he could offer less than that. I mean, we, we, there's no possible way. Sure enough, he offered us less than that by a lot. And you're sitting there and we, I remember thinking, what is she thinking right now? She's expecting me to say, no, no, we can't do this. And so I said, the best thing, we're going to pray about this. We left and we began to pray. And I forget thinking, how are we going to eat? How are we going to survive? We were just talking this past week. We were together and, and uh, my mom was in town and we drove her back to Michigan and, and uh, uh, talking just about the ministry and about just, just some of the blessings that God did in the ministry. And, and we were rejoicing with my mom over that. And, and uh, we drove by on the way to take her back home. I, I uh, drove by the church that I got saved in where my parents were uh, working there in the early 80s and, and drove by that place and just stopped. And I thank the Lord for being saved at that place and baptized at that place and the memories that we had there at that place. And it was that place I said to my mom, I, I remember just as a first grade boy there, that was the place where the first time I really felt the Holy Spirit of God working in that church. And I, rem I reminded her of that time that it just seemed like the entire church, every family was at the altar praying and parents were in tears. And I didn't know what was going on. I just knew something was happening. I never forgot that. And all these years later, my mom sat in the back of the car on the way back and she said, you know, I remember that day. She said, I remember thinking, I hope my children don't forget what God is doing here in this place. I'm glad my parents didn't serve the Lord because of what they could get out of it. I'm glad they were the example that you serve the Lord and it's a privilege to serve God. You know, God has always supplied every need. On the way back, we were talking, my wife and I, and we just said, could you imagine how we made it on that when we first got married? Could you imagine uh, uh, how, did we, how did we ever make it? And we look back and it seems like you've never gone without. God's always supplied. You know, God always fulfills. God always takes care of those that he calls. 
When Jesus called Levi, he was calling a man who was a tax collector. He was the highest of income brackets, yet Jesus mentioned nothing to Levi. He didn't say, Levi, follow me, and I'm going to make you more money. Follow me, and you become more wealth. Matter of fact, when he began to follow Jesus, he probably didn't get as much as he had before. But when Jesus calls you, when you serve the Lord, it's fulfilling because he meets every single need. He's fulfilling. There's nothing wrong with earning money. But don't be deceived. Money doesn't buy fulfillment. It's been said this, money will buy a bed but not sleep. Money will buy books but not brains. Money will buy food but not an appetite. Money will uh, buy the finery but not the beauty. Money will buy a house but not a home. Money can buy medicine but not health. Money can buy luxuries but not culture. Money can buy amusement but not happiness. And money can buy religion but not salvation. Only Jesus can fulfill. Things of this world don't fulfill, but Jesus Christ does. I want you to see in verse number 15, the Bible says, and it came to pass that as Jesus sat at meat in this house, many publicans and sinners sat also with Jesus and his disciples. For there were many, and they followed him. Secondly, I want you to see this. Jesus is a friend. Jesus is a friend. Jesus sat in a place where nobody wanted to be. He was sitting in a place of publicans and sinners, After he called Levi, Mark records this here in Mark chapter two. He records that Jesus sat at meat in his house. Jesus sat with people that that others did not want to sit with. Matter of fact, when they saw who he was sitting with, they couldn't believe that he was sitting with publicans and sinners. Who is he to sit with these sinful people? And the reason why is Jesus is a friend. Jesus loves people. You know, every single person that walked by that tent, whether they trusted Christ or not, Jesus has a desire for them to come to the saving knowledge of Jesus Christ. We can see people and we look at somebody and we in our mind think that person can get saved or wants to get saved or that person can't get saved. I want you to know this evening that Jesus loves people. He came to die, to seek and to save the lost. He didn't come for the righteous. He didn't come for the the one that thinks they're fine. He didn't come for the healthy. He came for the sick. He came for the the one that needed a savior. He came to this world to die for those at times that we think will never want the gospel. He loves people. He said this, henceforth I call you not my servants, for the servant knoweth not what his Lord doeth, but I have called you friend, John says in John 15. You know, the religious elite of the day, they observed Jesus Christ and they said, behold, a gluttonous man, a wine-bibber, a friend of publicans and sinners. They called him a friend of publicans and sinners. You know, he was not, he was not a, a, a wine-bibber. He was not a gluttonous man. But one thing they did have right, he was a friend to sinners. He wasn't a drunk, but he was a friend. And I'm so glad this evening that Jesus Christ is a friend. He was a friend to you when you didn't deserve a friend. He was a friend to me when I didn't deserve a friend. He's a friend that sticketh closer than the brother the Bible says. He is one that loves people. Aren't you glad tonight that Jesus Christ loves people? If he didn't love people, there'd be no reason for us to meet. We wasted our time last week. We wasted our time singing this morning. We wasted our time fellowshipping this morning. But the reality and the fact of the matter is this, he loves people and we need, we need to take the love that Christ has and share it with a world that needs that friend and needs that love. 
Thirdly, I want you to see this in verse number 16. And when the scribes and the Pharisees saw him eat with publicans and sinners, they sent unto his disciples, how is it that he eateth and drinketh with publicans and sinners? And when Jesus heard it, he saith unto them, they that are whole have no need of a physician, but they are sick. I come not to call the righteous, but the sinners to repentance. I want you to see lastly here this evening that Jesus is faithful. I find in Mark chapter two, we find that Jesus is faithful. You know, critics are ever present. They're always a part of somebody's life. They're always trying to pick. They're always trying to, to seek things out that they can complain about. The religious leaders of this day, the Pharisees, they were no different. They observed Christ and they saw how he was eating and, 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 and uh, a friend of publicans and sinners. I want you to see this, though, that Jesus was faithful to his calling. Jesus was faithful each step of the way. Jesus never lost sight of what was it all about, what it was all about. He came to minister to sinners and he didn't let critics keep him from ministering to sinners. He didn't let the religious crowd keep him from ministering to sinners. Jesus was faithful <coughs> doing the work of the Father. He was faithful. Jesus is always altogether good. He's always kind. He's always loving and he's always true. He's faithful. Bible says this in Hebrews 10, 23, let us hold fast the profession of our faith without wavering for he is faithful that promised. You know, the mistake that the scribes and the Pharisees made here, the mistake was this, thinking that Jesus was just spending his time with sinners for no reason. But Jesus had a reason for everything he did. He was spending time with sinners because it was sinners that needed a savior. He was spending time here at dinner because he knew those that were present needed what he had to say. He knew they needed a savior. He knew they were sick. You know, you find some of my father-in-laws, one of those guys that uh, uh, he says, I, I'm never sick. And the reason why he says he's never sick is because he never, go, never goes to the doctor and the doctor never tells him he's sick. So therefore he's never sick. And I said, I'm the opposite. I go to the doctor just to find out what's wrong with me, you know. I want to find out. I don't want to, I don't want to just die and someone say, boy, he could, have, he could have found out if he just would have went. My father-in-law will probably outlive me, but uh, he, he brags about never being sick. He brags about never going to a doctor and never hearing anything that's ever wrong with him. And I laugh at him. We were on vacation this past June and I laughed at him and I said, you are sick. You're sick up here, you know, you're sick. But he doesn't go to the doctor, so he doesn't find out. Well, Jesus came to save those that knew they were sick. He came to save sinners that knew they couldn't save themselves. Listen, there are people in this world, now there are some that think they don't need Jesus, but let's not confuse those that think they don't need Jesus with those that say, I need, I'm looking for hope. There was some that were here this morning. I, I sat with a girl after the second service and, and spoke to her and she said, I need help. I need hope. I'm, my life is confused and I'm making bad decisions. And she said, I need what you're preaching. I need Jesus Christ. 
Now we can convince ourselves, church, that people no longer want to get saved. People no longer want to receive Christ, but that's just not true. There were more than 80 people last night or last week that walked by the tent and before they came, they didn't come to the fair to find three things that, G, that God cannot do. They came to the fair to eat popcorn and, 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 and I don't want to say all the things that are there to make you hungry, but they didn't go to the fair to come by Monclover Road Baptist Church tent. That was a divine appointment by God. And when someone reached out to them and said, can I show you what God can't do? Can I show you that Jesus loves you? Can I show you how to get saved? They didn't know that was going to happen that day, but it gloriously changed their life for all of eternity. Why? Because they were introduced to Jesus Christ. Listen to me, we're not the one to decide who's going to receive and who's not going to receive. We're just simply the one to take the gospel of Jesus Christ and share it with a world that needs Jesus. We're looking for faithful Christians to share the gospel. Jesus said, could have said, you know what? They're going to forsake me. He could have said, you know, they're going to crucify me. He could have said, I'm going to come and they're going to reject me. He could have said the religious crowd doesn't want to hear it. But there were sinners and publicans that said, I need to hear the truth. And I'm reminded of Mary. It wasn't the religious crowd that stood at the feet of Jesus at the cross in tears. They stood and mocked him. It was Mary, a prostitute, a sinner. She knew what she was before she met Jesus, and she knew the type of friend that Jesus was. She knew her life was changed. She knew that she was on a path of destruction. She knew that she was a sinner. She knew that her life was messed up. But she knew the day she met Jesus Christ, the day she put her faith and trust in him as her savior, that her life changed. She was no longer what she used to be. She's changed. She's different now because Jesus made a difference in her life. Listen to me, those are the kind of people that if we're not careful, we look at and we think this, they don't want Jesus. They don't want the truth. Listen, there's people that are still seeking truth. The Bible still says the fields are white unto harvest, but the laborers are few. You know what, church, you know what we need? We don't need more sinners. We need more saints to tell sinners about Jesus. I wonder where those 80 souls would spend eternity if all those that worked at the fair this past week had something more important to do. I was at a restaurant and I began to tell a lady about Jesus Christ and she said this to me, I've never heard this before. I said to her this, I said, have you ever sinned? And she said, oh, you don't know what I've done. You don't know what I've done. I said, you know, it doesn't matter what you've done that Jesus Christ saved you, can save you and forgive you of every single sin you've ever committed. And she says, you don't know the things that I've done. She said, you don't know the life that I've had. I said, you're right, I don't know and I don't need to know, but Jesus Christ knows you. And I do know Jesus. And I know that he'll forgive you of every sin you've ever committed. He'll wash it away by his blood. The blood that he shed on the cross is sufficient payment for your sin. And when God sees you, he doesn't see you in your sin. He sees the blood of Jesus Christ. 
I remember that lady, glorious, that glorious day, she said, I want that Jesus. I was with Brother Danforth. He was getting a, he was getting a root beer float and two hot dogs. I was watching him eat a root beer float and two hot dogs, wishing I had one, but knowing it wasn't worth the wrath of my wife. <clears throat> so he got me a diet root beer float with diet ice cream and two diet hot dogs. The fellow walked up and began to talk and he said to this fellow, he said, Do you, uh, are you sure you'd go to heaven? And that person said, I think so. He said, have you ever sinned? And that fellow said, oh, oh yeah, I've sinned. He said, have you ever sinned? And I began to tell him all the things Earl's done. His wife told me a whole list of them. And standing there with a milkshake in his hand and two hot dogs in the other hand, that man bowed his head and he trusted Jesus Christ as a savior. That man just came to buy a hot dog. He left. His life was changed. We were together another time and I began to tell a lady, but she was too busy and she couldn't listen, couldn't talk. And I think it was the same root beer stand. We are getting ready to leave and said, boy, that was a shame. She was too busy. They couldn't listen. And something brought her out of that place and had to walk right by his truck. Well, he's not an introvert. He's not shy. He said, what do you got in your hand? And she began to tell him. And the Lord brought her out of that building where we couldn't witness to her and brought her right alongside that truck. And she trusted Christ as her savior. She just tried to go to work that day. Because of the faithful witness, she got saved. I wonder how many people, how many people truly want to be saved? How many people truly need to know the Lord Jesus Christ? You see, the problem isn't the fact that there aren't enough people that want to be saved. The problem is there's not enough people working the field. The truth is this text, it encourages us to reach out to those that are around us with the love of Jesus Christ. Levi would probably be one that most of us would walk past and say, he's a tax collector. He's a thief. He steals money. He's not a nice guy. He's rich and he's wicked. Why would anyone tell him about Jesus? And that was Jesus because it was Levi because of the faithfulness of Jesus going back again and again and again and preaching the same message again and again and again. Levi became a follower of Jesus Christ. Who do you need to go to this week again? Who do you need to go to again? Who in your mind right now have you said, I've shared the gospel and they don't want to hear it? Maybe it's a spouse. Maybe it's a brother, a sister, a parent. Maybe it's a coworker. Maybe it's a neighbor. Don't give up. Don't ever get to the place where you think someone's too hopeless for Jesus. Share the gospel. Give the gospel. Be faithful. Jesus was faithful. Jesus was a friend. Jesus was fulfilling.